This is the third in a series on the doctrine of sanctification. And so uh, we'll specifically be looking again at verse 17 as we have the past couple of weeks. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that uh, You would sanctify us in the truth. Your Word is truth. Help us to understand what that means. Help us to understand how You sanctify us according to Your Word. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. So, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth. Does this mean that all truth is part of God's means uh, that He uses to sanctify us? In other words, does 2 plus, or 2 plus 2 equals 4? That's a true statement. Does this mean that this truth is used by God to sanctify us? Or, the moon revolves around the earth. This is a true statement. Uh, does this mean that this truth is used by God to sanctify us? Well, of course not. Listen to all of uh, John um, 17, verse 17. Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. In other words, it's God's Word that God uses to sanctify us. There are no shortcuts to sanctification that bypasses God's Word. God convicts us of sin with His Word. God encourages us that He is for us with His Word. God reveals the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to us in His Word. In short, God sanctifies us with His Word. His Word is indispensable. There is no shortcut or substitute for it. So why is Scripture so important for our sanctification? That's the question that we're really going to be asking this morning and digging into. Well, Scripture is important for our sanctification primarily because it's God's Word. It's His personal communication to mankind. It tells us how we might have a relationship with Him. It reveals Himself to us. It reveals His salvation to us. Many believe that Scripture is true in what it says about God and what it says about Jesus but they believe that it has some errors around the edges. For instance, many professing Christians believe Scripture has errors about scientific and historical, historical issues that it addresses. But the Bible itself asserts that it is without error in any of its assertions. It is not a scientific textbook we would certainly grant. And it speaks in the idioms of its time and culture. So, for instance, it speaks of the sun rising, the sun setting, and things like that. But it clearly asserts its infallibility. In fact, since the Bible claims to be inspired by God Himself, it claims to be inerrant, it claims to be inspired, and it claims to be His authoritative Word which it is. God is the Lord, 
And He has given us His Word. The inspiration of Scripture extends not to just what it says about God and what it says about Jesus, but His inspiration extends to every word of Scripture. Every jot, every tittle, which are the small little marks in Hebrew, um, even those are inspired. It claims to be without error theologically, scientifically, and historically. Since God is the author, it's not only true, but it is also authoritative for our lives. The Bible is the boss for Christians. The Bible is the boss for the church. The Bible is the boss for every individual in the world. Every non-Christian who ignores the Scripture will be judged by God because of their rebellion against His Holy Word. What I'm saying is this is no ordinary common book. This is a book of vast authority because it is the very Word of the King of Heaven. It is pure, unalloyed truth. And it must be your chief priority. You need to read the Scriptures. You need to study the Scriptures. You need to pray through the Scriptures. You need to teach the Scriptures to each other in the congregation and speak the Scriptures to each other um, in our church family. And you also need to live according to the Scriptures because the Scriptures are God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative Word. In short, you must be Bible people. Unfortunately, many Christians find a way to ignore the Scriptures. I've used uh, an extended quote from Spurgeon before that I'm going to uh, quote only in part this morning. But Charles Spurgeon, the, the great Baptist preacher in the 1800s, he said, Many people treat the Bible very politely. They have a small pocket volume, neatly bound. They put a white pocket handkerchief around it and they carry it to their places of worship. But when they get home, they lay it up in a drawer till the next Sunday morning. Then it comes out for a little bit of a treat and goes to the chapel. That's all that the poor Bible gets in the way of an airing. That is your style of entertaining this heavenly messenger? There's dust enough on some of your Bibles to write the word damnation with your fingertips. Do you read the Scriptures? Do you study the Scriptures? Do you pray through the Scriptures? Do you teach your children the Scriptures? Do you speak to each other and encourage each other in the Scriptures? Not only is God's Word authoritative for us, it is also sufficient. It speaks to every issue that we need to know in order to grow in our relationship with God. It tells us the truth that we need to know about God. It tells us the truth that we need to know about ourselves. When I started reading the Bible for the first time seriously as a freshman in college, I learned some things about God. But what was most surprising was I learned a whole lot of things about me. I learned just how sinful I was, how manipulative I was. And I read this just from the, the Gospels. As I'm reading 
about Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees, I realized how much of a Pharisee I was and how many of my attitudes were so similar to the attitudes of the Pharisees uh, in their rebellion against Jesus. And yet they thought that they were the ones who knew it all. So we, it tells us all the truth we need to know about ourselves. It tells us all the truth we need to know about Christ and what He's done for us. It tells us the truth we need to know about our standing and our status as people who belong to Jesus Christ. God has withheld nothing from us that would benefit us in our relationship with Him. God's Word gives you everything you need to know in order that you might trust in Him, in order that you might worship Him, in order that you might be able to face the deepest and most difficult problems that you could face in this life. His Word is sufficient. Many people tell me that they don't read the Bible because it's difficult to understand. Now, it's true that we're separated by many years, by many cultures, even by different languages. Um, the, the Bible was written in Koine Greek and in uh, Biblical Hebrew. Uh, those have, in terms of um, the, the specific vocabulary, those, those languages have died off. Now, Greek is still spoken. I can still um, read some Greek signs from time to time as I see things um, from the nation of Greece. Um, Hebrew, I can still see a word or two that I recognize uh, just in my limited vocabulary. But in terms of biblical Hebrew, in terms of Koine Greek, uh, those languages, they've, they've ceased to be um, spoken languages. But... Um, they have been translated for us. So we've, we've, we're separated by the cultures, by the years, even by the languages. Um, but the Scriptures, even with the interpretation, or, uh, or rather the translation, the Scriptures are clear regarding what you need to know about God what you need to know about His salvation. Absolutely clear. I know that there are many things that are difficult to understand in this life, but we persevere to understand those things because we believe it's vital that we understand these things. You know, numbers mystify me. Keeping a checkbook... um, Thankfully, I've got a wife that is able to do that fantastic, and so I don't have to worry about that so much. But before I was married, even though uh, numbers just don't go through my head real well, I, I was able to figure out how to keep a checkbook. I was able to figure out how to, how to balance a checkbook. I was able to figure out how to not uh, balance checks, even on a very limited income that I had before I was married. And um, I figured it out because it was vital even though it was difficult for me to understand. And so, even though you may say, well, the Bible's difficult for me to understand, it's vital. And you need to work at it. You need to make sure you understand it. Being ignorant of the Scriptures stunts your growth in Christ. 
Read your Bibles, even if it's just a chapter a day. It is absolutely vital that you read the Scriptures. The Scriptures are necessary for your growth in Christ. You cannot understand the multifaceted grace of Christ without reading the Word of God for yourself. Listening to a sermon, that's good. Reading a book about the Christian life, that's good. But those things can only do so much. There is no substitute for regular Bible reading and Bible study. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. You cannot grow in your faith in any substantial way without regularly reading the Scriptures. I made a point last week that bears repeating briefly. We tend to think of sanctification and growth and holiness as being an issue of power. We need God's power to be at work in us in order for us to change. For us to repent of our sins, for us to grow as a Christian, we need the Holy Spirit's power. But as I said last week, Christ sanctified Himself uh, for your sake. Christ set Himself apart for the Father's service for your sake. Christ took on human flesh and came to earth for your sake. Christ endured every temptation for your sake. Christ died on that awful cross for your sake. Christ rose from the grave uh, for your sake. Christ ever lives to make intercession for your sake. And He did all this for your sanctification. In other words, He's not going to let you be without the power you need to grow in godliness. Additionally, God has given us a new nature. Therefore, you have a a new disposition towards your sin. You hate your sin. You have a new disposition toward God. You love Him. He's the priority in your life. He has created in you new desires, new longings after holiness. He has renewed your will and has given you power to live the Christian life. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in your soul. He has united you to Jesus Christ as the branch is united to the vine. So you certainly must rely on Him. But that does not mean, as I said last week, that you can sit back and wait upon God to to zap you with an additional infusion of power before you can repent. Just the opposite. He is continually at work in you. He is continually producing in you a mighty power for godliness. So you have the power to repent right now. You don't need to wait for some additional blessing. You don't have to wait for some additional infusion of grace. You have the power to repent because you are always connected to Jesus Christ. You always have the power to repent because you always have the Holy Spirit. So are we clear about that? It's not power that we need. God gives us everything because He has given us everything in Jesus Christ. Our more basic need, therefore, instead of power, is knowledge and understanding. 
Jesus prayed, sanctify them not by your power, but sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, God's saying that we are sanctified through our understanding of God's Word. We are sanctified by our growing and progressive knowledge of God's Word. We need to know the truth about God. We need to know the truth about ourselves as sinners saved by grace. We need to know that we are children of God. That we have been forgiven of all our sins through the finished work of Christ. We need to know that God loves us and will continue to love us even in spite of our sins. We need to see ourselves as citizens of heaven and and we need to always remember this world is not our home. We need to know God's great and precious promises and that all of those promises are ours in Jesus Christ. We need to know these things. We need to understand these things in order for us to appropriate these things in our life. You say, well, I know all that. I've known all that for decades. Yes. But are those truths leading you moment by moment? In other words, I think the Bible and our experience teaches us that Christians suffer from recurring amnesia. We know the truth and then we forget it when we're faced with temptation. But then when God brings us to repentance, we say, I knew that was wrong, but I forgot it at the moment. The Holy Spirit always works in conjunction with His Word. The Holy Spirit works with His Word in our souls to sanctify us. So we need to continually be filling our souls with the Word of God. We need to be learning it, studying it, understanding it, memorizing it. Because the Holy Spirit who is the power that we need, who is always living in us, works in conjunction with His Word. This brings me to a point that is absolutely essential for us to consider. As a Christian, and this is the argument I've been making uh, throughout this sermon, as a Christian, you have everything you need for life and for godliness in Christ. So when you're not obeying God... It is not because you have, that God has left you without all the necessary resources. Your problem is not that you don't have the resources. Your problem is that you have a divided will when you sin against God. In other words, it's not God's fault that you're, you're disobeying Him when you sin. Rather, your disobedience stems from the fact that you really want to sin. You're fond of your sin. That's why you sin. You're not sinning against your will. It is your will, James 1 tells us, that chooses to sin. You know it's wrong, but you like it. And that's your problem. That's my problem when I sin. We hate our sin because we belong to Jesus Christ. But at the very same time, 
we love it enough to commit the sin. That is the case with every one of us who is a Christian. Every time we sin. There's no time where we sin that we don't in some measure love it even though because we belong to God we also hate it. So the only thing that can be done for us is to come face to face with the truth of God's Word and be confronted by it. We need to be confronted with God's love for us. We need to be confronted with God's holiness. We need to be confronted with how much God has done for us in Jesus Christ, how much He is continuing to do in us by His Holy Spirit. We need to come face to face with ourselves, recognize that our sin is our fault, and that it is our will that is divided, not God's will. It is our desire that chooses the sins we commit God alone provides the remedy. So our wills are the problem because they're divided. But our wills are persuaded by the Word of God. That's how God works. Can you see how necessary the Word of God is for our sanctification? Because God persuades our wills by teaching us more about Himself by teaching us more about our sin, by teaching us how much He loves us. Let me make a couple of applications before we end. First, parents, you need to know that you will not train your children to be obedient to you or to be obedient to God by forcing them or manipulating them Uh, to do what you want them to do. You cannot force or manipulate the will. The will uh, outside of Christ is hard. And so what you need to do is you simply need to keep them in regular contact with the Word of God. You need to be daily reading and teaching the Word of God to your children. The Holy Spirit will use His Word in their lives to shape and train their wills. Yes, you need to discipline them. Yes, you need to create order in your home. But what is going to shape and train their wills is nothing other than than the Word of God because it will persuade their wills rather than forcing their wills. God uses His Word. The Holy Spirit uses His Word. Second application. Sanctification is not a matter of being delivered from just one or a couple of particular sins. Sanctification is a positive doctrine. It's not just Being sanctified, growing in holiness, is not simply getting rid of sins. Rather, sanctification or growing in the Lord, growing in holiness, is being rightly related to to God. Rightly related to the Lord. Growing in sanctification means there's an ongoing and growing process 
of becoming more and more devoted to God. So to overcome a particular sin that you're struggling with uh, in your life, it can be detrimental to focus exclusively on that sin. But that's what the, that's what we're tempted to do. I'm going to. This is where I struggle. I'm going to focus on this sin, and I'm going to focus on it and keep repenting and and keep being disciplined till I get that sin out of my life. Rather than focusing on that sin, focus on God. Focus on building your relationship with Him. Focus on loving Him. Focus on relating and and spending time with Him. Remember that you are His child. Remember that you are in Christ and you belong to Him. Seek Christ and His kingdom and you will necessarily focus less on the sin. I'm not saying ignore the sin. Uh, Specific sins need to be repented of specifically. But don't focus on it. Keep your gaze. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. My last application is that for you to have a well-rounded approach to sanctification, you need a well-rounded knowledge of the Scriptures. People say that we need to be New Testament Christians. Focus on the New Testament. Other people say we need to be red-letter Christians. You've ever heard of that? You know, where the, 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 the words of Jesus are in the red? Be red-letter Christians. Focus on the words of Jesus. Others say we should focus on the Psalms. And what people are doing when they say these kinds of things is just chopping up the Scriptures. We need the whole Bible to know everything that God wants us to know about Himself. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that comes from the mouth of God. Sometimes you need to learn how to approach a particular practical problem by reading about Abraham. How did Abraham approach this problem? How was he able to overcome? And you see through his example, first of all, that that problem can be overcome. Secondly, you have in him, the man of faith, a way to to overcome that problem through faith. Uh, Sometimes your soul is downcast. And there's probably nothing better for a downcast soul than a steady diet of the Psalms. Sometimes you need to learn some kind of wisdom, especially parents in parenting. And so you spend time in the Proverbs, learning that wisdom that you need. Sometimes your heart's being rebellious against God and you just want to take a little vacation from the Christian life. Take a little vacation from obedience. And so maybe what you need to read are the minor prophets. Hear a little bit about God's righteous anger against sin. Sometimes you need to be buoyed in your faithfulness. And so looking at Jesus in the Gospels as He was faithful to His Father in spite of all the opposition might give you the needed encouragement. And we could go on and on. But we need the whole Bible, if we are going to have a well-rounded doctrine of sanctification, if we are going to have a well-rounded, growing, progressively growing um, 
life of, of faith in Jesus Christ. Be Bible people. Read your Scriptures even when you don't feel like it. Read your Scriptures even when you don't understand it. God will give you wisdom. As you become more and more familiar with God's Word, more and more of the Scriptures will open themselves to you. Let me pray for us. Father, sanctify us in the truth. Your Word is truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.